Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City. City. News. It's 1730 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Ellen Dapa. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, the High Court sitting in Accra bars pressure group Arise Ghana from holding a vigil in front of the Jubilee House tomorrow to protest. We have reactions. Also coming up, Kroboland residents stage a demonstration against the continuous presence of soldiers in their homes despite a parliamentary directive... To the contrary, and later on Eyewitness News, after all the stress and hassle, the controversial e-levy fails to rake in the required revenue. Tonight we ask, was the government on a wild goose chase? Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Economist Professor Peter Korte urges government to employ targeted subsidized systems to check macroeconomic challenges facing the country. That's in 15 minutes with Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including Adrinpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, as well as Beach 105.5 in Takradi, both in the western region. We're also live on Greener FM 95.9 in Sunyani in the Bono region. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM, as well as Orange 107.9 FM, both in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu. And in, in Hokwe, we are on VOV Radio 95.7. In the Northern region, we are live on Radio Bimbela 91.9 FM Upper East catches on quality 88.7 FM in Garu and in the Upper West region we're live on Tunsung 97.3 in Wa. Do let us know what you think of the big stories tonight. 0549 Send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. My name is Umaru Sandamod here with Ellen Dapa who has a first story. The High Court has directed organizers of the Arise Ghana Chrome Ayeshe demonstration to end their public protests at 4 p.m. on Tuesday, June 28, 2022. The court effectively struck a balance between the competing directive of the police for the demonstration to end at 3 p.m. on Tuesday and the desire of the organizers to run till 8 o'clock at night. The court, presided over by Her Ladyship Comfort Tasiame, also directed that the demonstration commences at 8 a.m., with the demonstrators converging at the Kwame Nkrumah Circle, moving through Farisco and TUC to the Independence Square. A representative from the presidency may, according to the court order, meet the Krum Ayeshi demonstrators at the end point to receive their petition. Indeed, that's a summary of what transpired in the courts today. Let's get reactions to this particular decision. Godwin Edriji Tamaklo is a lawyer, and he represented the Arise Ghana team in the court today. Uh, Mr. Tamaklo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. So this action was brought against you or your, your clients by the police, and I believe you appeared in court because it was filed on you and you had to go and argue it out. Share with us the argument you put forth to convince the court that your clients should be allowed to demonstrate in front of the Jubilee House as they planned. 
Okay, so Omar, good evening to your cherished listeners. Um, as you are aware, on the first day of June, the organizing members of Arise Ghana demonstration, first ones to the Public Order Act, caused a notice to be served on a senior officer of the Ghana police. Now, this, as you are aware, was received on the second day of June. Now, in this notification, what the organizers of this demonstration did was to communicate to the police the route they will be embarking on and the time period. Now, they indicated to the police that they intend staging this demonstration on the 28th. That should be tomorrow. So quite clearly, uh, notwithstanding the requirements of law, that says that uh, the notice should be five days, they decided to give the police about 26 days. Now, the whole idea is to allow for the police and the organizers to properly engage on getting um, a route and a time that is completely workable, both for the police to deploy their men and also in fulfillment of the requirements of law. Now, there had been a series of exchanges between the organizers and the police. At the point, the police indicated that, in principle, they are not opposed to the demonstration. However, they had raised concerns about the time because the organizers indicated that they wanted to do this demonstration up to 10 p.m. Initially, the conversation was to do 48 hours, you know, continuous demonstration or picketing. The police indicated that they do not have the numbers uh, to provide security for 48 hours continuous. The organizers made some concession, obviously, that, okay, if you are not willing to provide security for 48 hours, then let's agree on a workable agreement where we'll do it up to 10 p.m., we'll close, and continue the next day. Again, the police said no. They are unable to um, provide security up to 10 p.m. So there had been a lot of back and forth on it. Um, eventually, the understanding that the organizers got from the police is that, well, they can provide security up to 8 p.m. Now, what for me is the issue and which we indicated to the court was the fact that the police unknown to the organizer on the 23rd day of June now files an application under Section 16 of the Public Order Act seeking to restrain the organizers from having a demonstration beyond 3 p.m. And it was that point that obviously we needed to intervene by going to court to oppose the application. Now, what the police indicated was that um, a night demonstration um, would undermine public safety and uh, public uh, security on grounds that there have been terrorist activities in the South region. Now, we find that proposition completely untenable. By way of affidavit, we demonstrated to the court that of all the 
um, uh, terrorist activities within the South region. None took place in the night. Uh, we attached copious, you know, uh, media reportage who, uh, of uh, terrorist activities within the South region by way of affidavit in opposition. And we showed to the court that all the terrorist acts from the Kenya Mall, you know, terrorist acts, it was in the afternoon, the attacks in the churches in Nigeria were in the afternoon, the attacks in Burkina Faso were in the afternoon. And so to pick the incidents of terrorist activities in the afternoon, as the basis for the court to deny lawful assembly of people in the night was completely far-fetched. Not only that, it was a very sinister uh, 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 proposition to play on the emotional keyboards of the court. Because obviously, um, any judge who hears about terrorist acts, the first thing is possibly uh, to instill a certain fear. So the whole thing was uh, a very mischievous uh, plan by the Ghana police to kind of put fear, uh, possibly in the court, as though there is an eminent threat of coup in Ghana. And we indicated to the court that in the, in, 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 in the spirit of fairness and candor, uh, if there were any intelligence reports related to any coup, uh, I mean, coup or terrorist activities in this country, what you do is to ask the court humbly to have the application held in Canberra so you can possibly share in a very straight, confidential manner with the court the, the said intelligence report that shows that there is an eminent terrorist act uh, maybe in Ghana. That was not done. And we felt that um, the absence of state clearly shows that uh, this whole thing is cooked up, possibly to instill a certain level of fear in the courts in order to um, get uh, what the, the applicant here, the Ghana police, wanted. So back and forth, um, we, we made it aware to the courts that, incidentally, if you recall, in 1993, when the MPP wanted to celebrate the birthday of um, J.B. Dankwa in Chebi, and the then public order act, not the amended one, uh, gave the Ghana police, the IGP specifically, the power to either grant or refuse such an application. The MPP, incidentally, led by uh, respected and distinguished lawyer Peter Lajete, together with uh, Sam Okujeto, Nana Dudankwe Kupado, uh, and co., approached the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, in the United States decision, took the view that um, uh, the idea of the IGP uh, providing a permit whether to lawfully assemble and others was a relic of our colonial, you know, administration, and therefore granted all the relief sought by the NPP. I, I, we felt that, look, there was nothing significant beyond people assembling at the Jubilee House uh, more or less, to just um, put a view that may not be popular, but can become the majority view. Um, in the superior wisdom of the court, the court took the view that, uh, well, whereas the police said 
the, the motion will go beyond 3 p.m. The court generally said, well, they would uh, permit the demonstration to happen from four, uh, from 8 a.m. up to 4 p.m. Um, we felt that um, uh, it could have been more. Um, the demonstration can happen up to 8 p.m. So, tomorrow, basically that's what happened today in court. Okay, I, ha- I have seen a document in circulation. I would ask if you can confirm that for me. It is, um, it is a notice of appeal of the decision of the court today. Is there any, do you know of this? Is this something you are working on? That is so. <laughs> and what is the, the effect of this appeal of yours? And has it even been granted? I do not want to proceed on the, the merits or demerits of that process since we filed and uh, um, once I'm rec- uh, lawyer on record, I can only speak to what happened before the High Court today. Okay, that's fine. So it is not a fact that you have secured um, or you have overturned the decision of the court today? On the face of the, uh, of the processes that you've read, I do not want to say that is what it complicates. Okay, that's fine. Um, I understand why you're taking that position. Um, let's move on. Before the court even made the pronouncement it made, a security analyst that is respected by many in this country had granted an interview to us, Professor Kwesienin, had spoken before the court decided, and he said he didn't think he was security sense-wise to have the video as you planned to do it at the place you wanted to do it and the time you wanted to do it because of the instability we've been witnessing in the sub-region. Uh, perhaps uh, what your clients intended to do may have jeopardized the security of the state. <laughs> Upon hindsight, having heard, I mean, an expert like that make a statement, and now that the court has endorsed that, what would be your, your, your personal reaction and view to that? Now, since um, um, this question that you are asking uh, is not uh, a legal question, but matters that borders on security, may I respectfully say that... Uh, when it comes to communicating intelligence reports, uh, the last time I checked, uh, mighty United States of America, a Great Britain, went to um, Iraq on the basis of 40 intelligence reports. Um, regrettably, as you know, a great deal of respect for Professor Christiani. Um, he has demonstrated over the period um, a certain competence relative to um, security matters. Uh, regrettably, I think that uh, the, the whole analysis on this uh, rather peaceful demonstration, albeit in front of the um, Jubilee House, uh, um, forms uh, a certain uh, attempt to fear monger. I mean, I basically engage in fear mongering, and that for me is not helpful. I've always maintained if there is any deep intelligence report, obviously not the type that the U.S. took to get the United Nations to approve a war in Iraq on the basis of looking for weapons of mass destruction. At least today, history has demonstrated that whole thing was a, uh, a complete uh, setup that existed. So I'll beg uh, the respected Professor Kwesi uh, Enim to possibly rethink this is going to be very peaceful. Nothing about terrorist acts whatsoever. Like somebody said, 
there's nothing more terrorizing today than the cost of, you know, fuel prices and, you know, the prices of uh, essential commodities. I mean, to the extent that today Ghana is basically getting closer to the 1980s when people had this around. The items are there, but you do not have money basically to pay because of the rising cost of those items. That, for me, is a real terrorizing issue. I want to see provide an analysis of the effect of the increasing prices of fuel on the security of this country. What is the nexus between the increasing prices of fuel, increasing prices of essential commodities, and the national security. Regrettably, sometimes, when some of these uh, problems of security speak, they are not able to distinguish between regime security and national security. It has appeared that he is talking about uh, regime security rather than national security. That's what I think about uh, his position. Okay. It's completely far-fetched. For ordinary persons who support the campaign of the Arise Ghana group, the effect of the court today would be tomorrow. What should they do? They should get ready to join the demonstration um, to send a message to the presidency of uh, Mr. Akufuado that um, the promises that he made to the good people of this country, particularly his inaugural address when he made the point, that he was, one, going to protect the public pay. With the benefit of hindsight, Mr. President, who agree with me, that he had not lived up to that pledge. He had become very ostentatious. He doubles in completely um, luxurious lifestyle in the midst of the suffering that Ghanaians are going through. Okay. I mean, that reminds me of Emperor Nero. Even whilst Rome burned, he was seen basically um, um, doing his own thing. That's okay for me, is a message that, you know, uh, um, uh, the organizers of Arise, and as you are aware, very, very respectable uh, men and women of this country, uh, Ambassador Nyaho uh, Nyaho Tamaklu, Franklin Kujo of Imani, Randy Abbey, very respected people believe that this is the right time for such an organized demonstration to send a message to the president but as the father figure of this republic, he needs to look back, rearrange himself on the basic constitutional principles of uh, probity. Mm. Should the demonstrators come with torchlights and candles and maybe mosquito <coughs> nets? Those are essential gadgets. For, for a video, not a daylight demonstration. Quite clearly, as you're aware, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. looks more like um, a short time. So the arrival time is for the converging time is four PM, not eight AM. Once you have between eight AM and four PM, even if you come at twelve PM or three PM, you'll still be welcome. But you close at four PM. We intend demonstrating to send a clear message to the president. And also, and also respect the court's directive that you close at four PM. Within the confines of the rule of law, why not? Will you be there as a demonstrator or as a lawyer for the clients? I buy fuel 
and the misgovernance of Akufado applies to me more directly. Thank you. Um, that's uh, lawyer Eduji Kujo Tamaklo <laughs> speaking to us. He's lawyer for the Arise Ghana group that uh, intended to go on a demonstration tomorrow, a video actually, at the Jubilee House, uh, but which intention has been um, stalled by the court which said that demonstration should end by 4 p.m. Uh, we've just cited a document which I was asking him to comment on, but he did not. And it's titled The Republic and Arise Ghana, Bernard Mona and uh, Henry Otu, uh, first respondent, second respondent, and the case was well, notice of appeal. And it says, please take note that a second respondent or appellant hearing being dissatisfied with the ruling of the High Court, Criminal Court for Accra Quorum, her leadership, Comfort Tashiame, dated 27 June 2022, do hereby appeal to the Court of Appeal on the grounds set out in paragraph 3 and will at the hearing of this appeal seek the relief set out in paragraph 4 of the notice of appeal. But one part of the decision complained of is that the entire judgment of the High Court, Criminal Court 4, dated 27 June 2022, two grounds of appeal, the ruling is against the weight of the affidavit evidence led by second respondent. B. Additional grounds will be filed on receipt of the ruling. Three, reliefs sought from the Court of Appeal and order reversing the ruling of the High Court. Four persons directly affected by the appeal, uh, those persons have been listed. So that's just some information to share with you. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Omaru Sandamud here with Ellen Dapal. We can now listen to Professor Kwesi Enin. He spoke uh, on the City Prime News this afternoon and he was giving us a security perspective to this demonstration. Listen to him. I think there's a larger issue here, a much more uh, practical issue. One is the role of demonstrations and protests in a democracy. You know, demonstrations and protests are important in democracies because they create opportunities for people to air their frustrations and their anger. Nevertheless, you know, there are rules and regulations governing how it should be done. And always that the police have the right to assess, you know, whether that application must be accommodated. I think in the Fourth Republic, more often than not, you know, these are accommodated, you know, uh, when people apply. You know, a protest at night, uh, that creates particular challenges for the law enforcement agency. Because dependent on the, on the route that they have applied to use, you know, it may be dark, others may infiltrate the demonstrations, hijack it. I mean, these are dangerous times. So I would suggest a middle ground where the demonstrations are done during the day and the police protection, a clearly defined, uh, route, you know, because the essence of the demonstration, one, I guess, is to highlight difficulties that the organizers think are prevalent in the country. And two, um, the effort to find joint solutions to them. You know, so we must do everything possible to ensure that it doesn't contribute to creating even more problems. So that's Professor Kwesini, security analyst and um, director of the Academic Affairs and Research Faculty at the Kofi Annan International Peacekeeping Training Center. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CCF. When we come back, there was a demonstration today 
in Kruboland, a demonstration against the presence of soldiers in the homes of the residents, despite a directive by the Speaker of Parliament last week for that to cease. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's bring some of your reactions now that have been sending to us. Uh, George says it's time the High Court realized that Krumayeshi, we won't allow this government to continue destroying our beautiful Ghana. Dokurugu in Tamale says good evening. Maruganians are tired with all these security issues and the demonstration. Alex Kofi Areni in Adenta says, is this going to be law now or just a convention for courts to determine routes and time of demonstrations of citizens because the law does not state so? Let's not hide under the perception of extremists to bar citizens from embarking on their democratic inalienable rights. Uh, this one from Nanapoku in Isum says, the court always gags the citizens. You never see the court's telling the government to put things right because the citizens are suffering. I'm surprised a court now has to determine when a demonstration should start and end. Lord Sporo from Begoro says the organizers of this mega Arise Ghana demo must ensure they follow due process so they do not put the lives of participants into jeopardy. We are all joining this demonstration to bear our teeth to this clueless Akufado administration. Send your message to 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. Let me bring you a few more. Esoba Yata says, we shouldn't do anything to destroy the peace we are enjoying. Many African countries are living peacefully, are envying the peaceful state of Ghana, you see. Fosin Isalifu in Kaswa says, if Arise Ghana group has no evil intention to destabilize the peace of the country, then why do they want to demonstrate at night? Uh, Harry Rashford says, when um, in 2015 some people or same people, some people started their demo after 8 p.m. Today they are seeing it being hard to do, sim- being bad to do similar. Are we in the hands of autocratic or democratic leaders in Ghana? Mahama Ba Kujo from Isium says, Ghana is no more democracy in this time. Uh, time will tell. We have nothing to say. 2024 is just around the corner. Uh, Felix Tablim says, just copy... Um, okay, that's a different message that he's sending. Do send your message as well. 0549 Let's go to the Eastern Region now. The country... Um, not the Eastern Region. We're going to talk about the E-Levy, uh, which is something that we have spoken about so many times on this platform before it was passed, after it was passed. Now... We are hearing that it is doing poorly. The controversial electronics transaction levy, electronic transactions levy e levy, introduced by the government to generate revenue is delivering only ten percent of estimated revenues. Now this e levy was the cause of lots of fighting in the House of Parliament. The minority was opposed as the majority was supporting that bill. It went through has become law, has been implemented, nothing is happening, at least very small money is being gotten from it. 
according to what we have seen from a leading member of the New Patriotic Party, Gabi Asariotridakwam. One of the chief critics of the E-Levy was, I don't know if he still is, Samonati George, NDC MP, Ningo Pram Pram, Ranking Member, Communications Committee of Parliament. Honorable Nati George, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening, Sandra. Are you still Good opposed evening, to the sir. E-Levy? More than ever. What do you make of uh, this revelation that it is not doing as well as it was it was expected to? Sandra, on the lighter side, I'm an elder of a church. Maybe I should I should be discussing with my archbishop if I should become a prophet. Uh, because it's like prophecy fulfilled. But this, this didn't need divine revelation. This was obvious to any critical mind and any objective mind. Um, it was it was wishful thinking to think that they were going to make the kinds of money. I remember, I, I believe it was in an interview with you on your network, and I said that if they made even 50% of their expectation, I would never speak on communications again. Because it was obvious that their projections they were making were just untenable. When the government said that in the seven months, that's from May to December, they were going to make 4.2 billion Ghana cities from the e-levy. That meant that every month they were going to be making 600 million. To make 600 million would have meant that on the average, every day they would make 20 million. Um, because they're 30 days in a year. In the first month, which was May, they were making 1.8 million a day on the average. So they have made less than 60 million, somewhere in the region of about 51, 52 million is what they have made when they were expecting 600 million. Now, if you implement a policy that that delivers 9%, 9%, not even 10%, you won't even be allowed to reseat that course if it was an educational program. I mean, some kinds of failures, they would rather move you from the university and make you go and learn a trade. And so this government has no business. They should have absolutely no business getting close to the management of our economy, giving the abysmal performance of what was hailed as that solution to all of our problems. We stated categorically that this government was mixing up the value of transactions with the volume of transactions. When you look at the data that is available to my team and I, you realize that volume of transactions dropped by only between 15 to 18%, depending on what platform you're looking at. And that would look like a very healthy uh, 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 project or, or implementation if it's only 15% drop in volumes of transactions. However, when you look at what is the real value of those transactions, it dropped by between 40 to 45% in some instances. And that is where the real meat of the problem is. And the fact that people have just people like me have decided to embark on, on a silent protest. This is the 10th week. Where on ninth week, where I have refused to do an electronic transfer as, as my silent protest against the wanton irresponsibility of a government that is bereft of, of, of ideas and just throwing around trial and errors. When we said they had square pegs and round holes, people didn't understand. But clearly, the e-levy cannot, will never deliver the kinds of revenues that the NPP is promising. And that's why I, I would use this opportunity to reiterate that the NDC as a political party, because everybody says you just criticize, what's your alternative? The NDC as a political party will scrap the e-levy in the first hundred days. If that doesn't happen, 
I will criticize the future NDC government if it is not scrapped in the first hundred days. Because and and possibly relinquish any position that may be given you by the future NDC government. Please add that. Let me see if we can keep this record. Well, well, if, if, if I am serving in a capacity that has influence on that decision and my position on the scrapping is not maintained, as a principle, I would, I would resign that, that portfolio if I have any opportunity to influence it because okay. my position is clear on this. That, and, and I believe that our flag bearer, uh, hopeful in the 2024 election, His Excellency John Ramani Mahama has been clear about it and I have no reason to doubt him. But you see, the point we must make here is this. This e-levy scheme, it's not well thought through. It is a Ponzi scheme, a government-sponsored Ponzi scheme, and it is it is it is state-sponsored pickpocketing. And so you cannot have such a taxation measure bring you the revenues that you are expecting. Don't be surprised. And let me just say a warning here that in the desperation of the NPP, not to go to the IMF, which would be their best resort at this point in time, which we've been sounding them. Off and warning them that they don't plunge Ghana into a Sri Lankan experience where Sri Lanka took the leaders of Sri Lanka took the position that their Kofuado government is taken. And, and today you have the young people in Sri Lanka walking into the houses of politicians and killing them or beating them or, or hurting them because they feel that they have failed them. The NPP government is failing to listen. But you see, where we sit today, if the NPP doesn't take the tough decisions that are in the best interest of this country, you, 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 you're going to see a relapse of all that we've had. And my biggest pain, Omar, in all of this, is that we started this ICT journey, the liberalization of our ICT um, um, journey as a country under President Rawlings in 1994, even as far as 1993. And, and you saw President Kufo take over with the Ghana for ICT development program in 2003 under the Ministry of Communication at that time. And President Mills took it over and built on it. And, and, and you, you just ask yourself, President Mahama came in, invested over $350 million in infrastructure that has built our digital backbone in four years. And then in comes in the destroyer-in-chief, Nana Dodanko Kufuado and his, and, and his minions. And all they have done is to walk back over 30 years of development and digital progress. And then they go around with monikers as digitization man and all kinds of titles that they have. Whereas they are destroying the very digital fiber of this country. Posterity will, will judge them very wrongly and badly for the decisions they're taking in, okay. in this space. Uh, is it not the case that you gave a Trojan horse to the government, i.e. you asked for the e-levy to be whittled down so that by the time the e-levy came out of the Chamber of Parliament... It was not the nomenclature that the government had envisaged when he put it in the budget of 2022. You had actually cut down so much so that it became a lean horse that you gave, you gave to the government, and that's why it's not generating the revenue that it is expected to. We didn't give the government any horse, not to even talk of a Trojan horse. We said to the government, get off the high horse you're sitting on and listen to the Ghanaian people and take the right economic measures, cut down on expenditure. We said to them, you want to raise, you want to raise six billion in revenue, we'll raise 12 billion in revenue for you by cutting down on government, government, government corruption, which amounted to almost 12 billion. Even if you cut down that by half, you would have saved the six billion by stopping your president from flying like an Arabian king and buffing in the air and living a profligate lifestyle. A, 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 a president who is going to beg for arms and yet is going like an Arabian king. 
if you stop all of those things, if you stop giving, if you, if you stop using your numbers in Parliament to grant tax exemptions in hundreds of millions of dollars to the president's brother-in-law to build a private hotel, you would not have this kind of mess you are having here. You, you, have, you have that. You have that as a matter of fact because I don't want to be engaged in a. The hotel, the hotel that case that is coming up around the, the holiday in is is being sponsored by a group that has the president's brother-in-law as chief sponsor of it. We gave them tax exemptions in the hundreds of millions in Parliament. And you have, you have you have you have that on authority in the in the in your documents. Okay, that's fine. I just want to be sure because that that's defense sure. in defamation. I want sure. to be safe. Sure, sure. That's this fine. Are, this are matters of fact. You, you have you have your president get off from here to go and borrow 20-something million, 22 million dollars that he says he needs for agriculture. And and, and, and and in going to borrow 22 million dollars, he rented debt of almost 500,000 dollars to go and borrow 22 million dollars. Yet you have 36 million dollars to pay for the design of a hole in the ground that you call the National Cathedral. Or 36 million dollars to pay for, for designs of... of, of of, of Agenda 111. You are going to borrow 22 million, but you are, you are, you are fucking out 36 million to someone for a design. How, how misplaced can your priorities be? So, we didn't give them a Trojan horse. This government is so incompetent, but the painful part of it is when you have an incompetent government that is humble enough to admit that they are incompetent and listen to wise counsel. You take it at that and take it as a blessing. Okay. But you know you are, you, you know you are in for doom. When you have an incompetent bunch of arrogant people who are so incompetent that when you are even telling them that look they are driving us into a ditch in their arrogance they call you Jeremiah and they say yes the last time there was a demonstration against the government you were there with your team that had Jata printed on its shirts are you going to be part of tomorrow's <laughs> demonstration will you close at 4pm well, I, I'm not part of the organizers of this demonstration, but they have my full support because the issues that they raise, that Arise Ghana Group speaks about, affect everyone. I, I would hope that you would also be there. I would see you there. I will be there. I hope to see you there because I'm sure that your lovely wife has raised the, the, the feeding money that you give to her. But unfortunately, the, the, the venerable cement may not have been able to increase your salary as much as the food prices have gone up that your wife is demanding. So Sam? you're also feeling the pinch. Sammy? When you buy food to take your kids to school, you feel the pinch. Mr. So join Sam us tomorrow. I have a chapter check for you. Join us tomorrow. Honorable Samuel Nati George. Yes. Yeah. Isamoniche, good night. Muchunka. So that's the member of parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, Samuel Nati George. Um, <laughs> this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll return shortly. Please stay. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM Broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We are coming to you uh, live, uh, no matter where you are listening to us from. Even if you're outside Ghana, uh, you must have tuned to citynewsroom.com. Let's go to the eastern region now. There was a demonstration today by residents of Nwasu um, and other communities in the Krobo land area over the continuous presence of soldiers in that community. 
They say they wanted the soldiers out. Last week, there was a statement in the, on the floor of parliament and there was a directive. Which directive was not respected today? The soldiers were still there. Let's speak to the member of parliament who represents the people of Lua Manyakrobo, Ebenezer Telabi, a former deputy minister for the region. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you very much. What seems to be the problem between, I'm going to use your, the, the phrase your people advisedly, and mm-hmm. the electricity company of Ghana. Is it that yes. your people do not want to pay for the electricity they are consuming? Is that really the issue? Can you break it that down is, for us first of all before we get that, to today's that event? Is, that is not an issue at all. That is not an issue. If you trace, you know, uh, where we have come from, uh, as I've always been saying, we have been paying electricity bill as far back as I know, 1970, when we had electricity in our communities, we have been paying. And uh, I, I, I also said that uh, uh, even the paramount chief at the time, Okemekuku, was uh, I think was, was the chairman of the BRA board. He had he had a, a meter in his house and he was paying electricity bill. So the issue about Kobo, people saying that Kobo they, they won't pay electricity bill is neither here nor there. That's not an issue at all. Uh, this issue. Uh, started when we had problems with the dealing system, which the ECG themselves are, are agreed. Uh, with the intervention of the PURC, you know, some agreements, you know, were made. And uh, right now, the problem is that uh, ECG would want to deploy uh, prepaid meters. But then, there was a need for them to engage the communities and let them know because you see, as we speak today, there are some, you know, arrears. How are you going to take care of the arrears? Some of them have been ring fenced. How are you going to, ah, how are they going to pay? You know, and then the ECG must also recognize the fact that there must be that cordial relationship between them and the community. After all, uh, we would have to be dealing with the ECG for a long time to come. So we have been dealing with them since, as I said, we had electricity in 1970. And we'll continue to work with them. Well, we need power. And they also need money to maintain their equipment and everything. But then we must, we, we, we must feel comfortable in their presence. And that's the reason why we are saying that the presence of the soldiers is creating tension. Yeah, the soldiers, the soldiers were brought according to the ECG because their yeah. officers were harassed by the residents. Wait. And that the number of times that they have tried to operate there has become a very hostile ground for them to the extent that they've had to move, move their office. One second. Yeah. They have had to move their office to Japan, which is across uh, the river from your, 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 your place. Now, yeah. they've had to bring the soldiers for protection. That's the argument they make. Is that not a sound one? It is not. In a sense that uh, if the, I, I'm sure, you know, the district director is listening to me. Um, that we have gone past that stage where, you know, there was that confrontation. And uh, if you remember, that shooting incident we led to the death of uh, one person and some of them got their legs amputated. Uh, we've gone past that, though the issue has not been wholly resolved. The fact is that if you listen to what happened today, I called the director myself. And I said, look, parliament has given a directive. What are you people doing? What What is happening over there? They said nothing is happening. But then the people, you know, you see the presence of the soldiers. Was, I mean, it's so intimidating. As if, you know, we are at war. As if uh, uh, our people, I, I don't know how to describe the whole thing, but you see the fact is, 
Um, there must be some community engagement. And we must be strategic if we want to bring the, 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 the prepaid meters. I've always been saying that there are a lot of institutions. There are a lot, I mean, we have opinion leaders. Let's start. You know, they even started uh, 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 in Pong without soldiers. And nobody raised a finger. There was no, you know, uh, 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 there was nothing like what is happening now until the soldiers were brought in. So the people also feel that, you know, the, the soldiers were, were brought, I mean, are, are being brought in to come and intimidate them. And that, it's not, you know, it's not sightly. It is not, you know, uh, 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 it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, uh, uh, create that civil relationship that we want to have with ECG. Because whether we like it or not, at the end of the day, when they fix and there's a problem, we will not go to Burma camp to go and ask for, you know, uh, a technical assistance. We would have to deal with ECG. So the, the leaders, the ECG, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the MD, the director, the district chief executive, I mean, the municipal chief executive, including my good self, must find a way of engaging, you know, the, the, the communities. And let them understand. If you understand. Let them understand. But if, you, if, if the approach that they are taking, I mean, the approach they are adopting, creates an impression as if they are being punished, you know, with, you know, prepaid meters, which is not so. Okay. Which is not the issue. So the soldiers the soldiers from what we have been told would simply yeah. ask you the question do you intend to have prepaid meters installed in your house or no? Okay. If you say no, they move on and disconnect you. If you say yes, they connect you. They have not assaulted see, or attacked anybody. That's but, what we've been but, told. But, but, but you see the, the point is that that is unfair. Why would the soldier even the presence of the soldier itself is so intimidating, wielding guns? I mean, you know, ready to shoot, popped gun. My brother, if you are in your house and somebody walks in with a gun, and that AK-47, and you know, you know, that the, the tension in this country already. You know, I mean... I, I, I would be scared, but last two weeks, yeah. I put the same question to the ECG official, the Tema yeah. East, um, or the well, Accra East Regional PR, and yeah. uh, she said to me that I've been driving past the Burma camp all the time. I do see soldiers and I don't get scared. So why should I be scared about soldiers who are not attacking anybody that, in that, a community that, 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 engaging that, 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 in a lawful business? That is below the belt. That is below the belt. You walk around, so the soldier walks into your... I mean, you, I, mean I, I don't know how old you, you are, but you remember the, the days of the revolution. No, no, I was, not, I was not there. I beg you, I was not uh-huh. there. <laughs> you, you, you remember people collapsed, you know... Uh, 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 People collapsed and died. Just the presence of soldiers entering their homes. So we don't have to create that tension again. Okay. Yes, especially when we have had a brawl with the police and some people lost their lives. Some people were maimed. And those issues are hanging. What I'm saying is there's a way to go about this thing. Let, the- us, let us find a very simple way. Let's talk to the people. If you listen to, I was monitoring the demonstration that was going on. Some of them were told, I mean, have you, uh, uh, they asked the assemblymen, have you come to engage us? Have, what have you told us about these meters? Let's engage the people. The, the people of Lower Mania are reasonable. And as I said, we have been paying electricity since 1970. Quick, 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 quick one, So you got the Thank House you. of Parliament last week to say that withdraw yeah. the soldiers. The soldiers are not being withdrawn. What, they are not being withdrawn. So what, what happens? What, what options are left you know, for us as a House of Parliament? The, I am going to raise the issue on the floor. You see, this, this lawlessness must not continue in this country. It's lawlessness. 
Because I called the director, he said nobody has given, nobody has told him anything. But I think that is that is that is very serious. Contempt, you know, they are, I mean, it's like they are treating parliament with contempt. Because even if you don't respect the member of parliament, at least the speaker has given a ruling. Let's let's withdraw them. Let's withdraw them. Allow the ECG people to continue what they are doing over there. But after when they started in Pong, nobody raised a finger. Okay. If you think that you move, if you move to Nassau and there's a problem, don't Very well. Thank come, to, th- come to whatever. Okay. Thank you. you but, but but you have prepared meter in your own house? In the constituency? No, they have not even come to my house. So you are... I told them that they so, with some of us. Yes, I told them that they should start with, with some of us. So you have been connected illegally? Sorry? You've been connected illegally? No. You don't have power have, in your I house? I have power. I have meter. I have meter in my house. Oh, so you don't need new prepaid meters? Well, all the, you know, they are replacing. They are replacing the old meters. Okay. So, but they've not done it for you for you yet. They have not done. But if they yet. do come, you would accept them. You let them do it. Oh, when they come, I I, I don't have any you know uh, you know any problem with it. But you see, okay. As I said, let's engage the communities. Let's engage. Let's engage the communities. Let them understand what is going on. So that you are able to carry them along. Very well. Thank you so much. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. You're welcome. Now, Labi, member of parliament, Lower Manya Krobo constituency in the eastern region. Let's speak to Samuel Togbo. He is the assemblyman for Nwaso, Old Town. He was uh, with the demonstrators today. Uh, Mr. Togbo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Now, was this a demonstration you guys planned to hold today with the information given to the police, or this was a spontaneous exercise? Not demonstration. Not demonstration. I was in the doing my own business when I have a call that um, the amount in between meters and the people, my community people, they, they don't want to ask. They were complaining. So I quickly have to rush there. So I met the ECG and the soldiers and the, one of the chiefs there. And uh, in fact, me myself, I was not aware that something is happening today. And uh, finally, we have to talk to our people that they should exercise patience. So we ask the ECG and the soldiers to return back to where they are coming from so that we have further contribution for the future development. So this happened today. So it's not demonstration. It's the only the people in the community that react that they don't need it. They don't have enough information about what is happening. Me, myself, as a ceremony, as of now, it's today that even I know that if you have people today, it's here and here that you are going to get your card also. So it's Me, as a man, as I'm speaking now, it's today that they are telling me some story about where to get. Me, myself, I don't have information even to pass to the people. So I'm unaware of their coming, and we are able to control the situation, ask our people to go to their various homes so that further consultation. But what I heard is on radio and MP that they asked them to withdraw so that further consultations will carry on. But still, I don't know. Mm. So this is a issue on the ground now, but no demonstration, okay. nothing and nothing like demonstration. So are the, so, are the soldiers still in town or they've left? In fact, my community, as of now, they are not there. Did they leave they because of the, of the protest from the residents or they left on their own? Because of the protest. But okay. as far as because of the process left. Okay. Do you have power tonight? It's past 6 p.m. As of now, my community is having light. 
prepaid or the the postpaid meters? They are postpaid meters, no prepaid. They are not able to store one in my community. Not even one. No, even one. They just took one away. They are about to store one, and you see, they take the old one before they store the new one. So they are able to take one to store. That is where the conflict comes. So they are not able to do it. That is the situation. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. Yeah, welcome. That's Samuel Tokbo. He's assemblyman for Nwaso Old Town Electoral Area uh, in the Lower Manya Krobo uh, constituency of the Eastern Region. This eyewitness news on 97.37. Let's go to Bosumi Franhu now, shall we? Ellen. Pressure is mounting on the presiding member for Bosumi Franhu in the Ashanti region to initiate the vote of no confidence process against the district chief executive for the area. Over the past few months, Assembly members have expressed their intention to impeach the DCE over allegations of hoarding resources meant for the Assembly and instigating members against one another, despite a presidential intervention to get the Assembly members to back down on their move, the removal of the DCE is still gaining momentum. Boachim Maxwell de Graft is one of the Assembly members spearheading the charge. The presiding member happens to be the chairman of the party in the closest way. And I'm um, having uh, some briefings that uh, he's been summoned by the regional chairman and the uh, other party um, the hierarchy. And then they are saying that the president will want to um, actually sack the man so that uh, we will not go by the process of uh, passing the vote of no confidence, which will dent the image of the government. And um, that is why he's um, going at a slow pace like that. But then we've also mounted pressure on him, and he has he has promised that he's going to make available the letters to us within the week. Um, the the regional minister promised us that because uh, they asked us to put everything on paper and bring it to him at his office. So we went there on Monday. He promised that the president is not around, so uh, so he comes. He's going to give hand over the, the petition or whatever to, to the president. Then the president will make or pass his comments. So definitely the letter will be released this week. Then um, about two weeks ultimatum will be given the letter. Uh, we, are hope, we are hoping to go to the office uh, or the assembly to have the broadcast on 7th, January, uh, 7th July. So from now till then... We are hoping that the president will issue whatever he is he has to issue. Other than that, uh, we are going to pass the vote of no confidence. Boache Max Odigraft is an assembly member in Bosumi Frehu in the Ashanti region. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Nettie. Let's settle for the details. As part of efforts to address challenges associated with inflation on the continent, head of FICC Research and Chief Economist with APSA Bank, Jeff Gable, is urging African governments to focus on slowing down demand for products instead of subsidizing the cost. According to him, the continuous introduction of subsidies in the midst of global economic challenges will only worsen the impact of inflation on African economies. Speaking at City TV and ESA City Summit, Jeff Gibbles said the drive to subsidize the cost of products in developing economies is forcing governments to use funds reserved for social and economic development to subsidize prices of goods. 
that's great news, right? No more inflation. It's bad news that things at a record high still. So in terms of the pressure that it puts on you, it's still very substantial. But the way that we measure it as economists, there's a little less inflation in the system. And certainly, that's one of the reasons why all these graphs tend to look better in the outer years, right? It's just a set of simple maths. But there's a broader risk that sits here, right? And that broader risk is that the inflation that sits in petrol today and the inflation that sits in grains today tomorrow becomes inflation that sits elsewhere, and the day after, elsewhere again. Jeff Gibble is the head of FICC Research and Chief Economist with APSA Bank, speaking at the same event, Director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ISE, at the University of Ghana, Professor Peter Korte, called for targeted fiscal policy and subsidy interventions to check the rising rate of food prices, which feeds into food inflation and the national inflation. With this issue about subsidizing fuel, I don't believe in wholesale subsidy because you cannot subsidize both the rich and the poor at the same rate. If you need to subsidize, they need to be targeted. But if you subsidize somebody who drives a small vehicle and subsidize uh, Bernard who drives a, an SUV, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, that, that, that cannot be. Um, same with electricity. You subsidize electricity for homes that have four, five, six air conditioners. I think we need to target our subsidies um, very well. Perhaps there are more areas we can channel some of these resources to. I don't support blanket subsidy. We need to subsidize, but not wholesale blanket subsidy. Increase in public debt, as I mentioned, we are likely to hit 84.6% by end 2022. That was a director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research at the University of Ghana, Professor Peter Korte. The 2020 edition of the City Summit was being organized by City TV in partnership with the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research and APSA Bank Ghana as part of this year's City Business Festival. Finance Minister Ken Furiata has admonished finance ministers and other countries to focus on attributing more resources or investments into their country's education sectors. This investment in education, according to him, will in the long term result in an increase in their country's GDP per capita. He was speaking during a regional ministerial meeting on education, which saw the launch of the World Bank's regional education strategy for the Western and Central Africa. We must be emboldened by the existing data and science around educational investment. According to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, if investment in human capital in Africa remains unchanged, GDP per capita increased by 39% by 2050. However, if countries in Africa increase their investments in the health and education of young people, this could trigger an 88% increase in GDP per capita by 2020. It is staggering to think that we can move from the current 3.3 trillion to 6.6 trillion just by focusing on putting more resources in education. Even as we raise more finance for education, our government must continue to prioritize education by allocating funds more fairly and efficiently despite the current pressing fiscal needs. As has been said, the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time to plant is today. Let us start today and let finance ministers begin to change their allocating principles. That was the finance minister, Ken Furiata. 
Also at the meeting, Vice President Dr. Mahamudu Baumio stressed the need for African countries to focus on linking educational policies to socioeconomic development. We are in the world of the fourth industrial revolution and Africa cannot really afford to miss out on the fourth industrial revolution. But the theoretical empirical evidence is very clear that a focus on education and quality education leads to development and growth. However, we will not be able to deliver change without building and sustaining political momentum in the region. In many of the region's countries, more efforts are needed to rationalize the governance of education systems to achieve greater coherence, cooperation, and coordination. Indeed, the relationship between socioeconomic development and human capital is critical and Ghana's policies on education access, quality, equity, relevance, skills acquisition, and education financing reflect how Ghana is using education as a lever for human capital development and socioeconomic transformation. That was the Vice President, Dr. Mahamudu Baumia. As part of efforts to digitize the economy, the Minister of Communications and Digitalization, Eslo Wusuikufu, has revealed that plans are far advanced to deploy a system to rationalize the collection, processing, storing and sharing of data among government agencies. According to her, this move will help the business community make targeted investments in critical and high-growth sectors of the economy. She spoke on the sidelines of the launch of the 2021 World Development Report on Leveraging Data for Better Lives by the World Bank. It's a concern that we're working in silos, generating valuable data, but not being able to utilize it as effectively as we can for national planning and development. For any digital economy to thrive, you need data analytics, uh, which will facilitate machine learning and all the other things that go with it. So it's absolutely critical that we find a way of consolidating our databases. And we think that having a data exchange hub, connecting the various databases and linking them so that at the click of the button, with the right levels of accreditation, you can access data from any of those databases and utilize it properly. And we think that if we do that, it will enable us to aggregate that data better and utilize it more efficiently for purposes. It's also important that we look at fast-tracking the work to upgrade our national data center and build our national cloud. We have a small cloud at the moment that we've been able to put in with the assistance of the World Bank. We need to expand it so that it can be put at the use of all public agencies with even capacity for, to host the private sector. That was the Minister of Communications and Digitalization, Esla Owusu Ekofo. And that's all for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umar Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, we talk about cola, not Coca-Cola or cola nut. We're talking about cost of living allowance, cola. It's a demand that has been made by worker unions, various worker unions. Tonight, the Trade Union Congress, which is an amalgam of all trade unions in Ghana, has added its voice too in demanding that the government pays cost of living allowance to ameliorate the difficulties Ghanaians are going through. There's a statement that has been issued by the Trade Union Congress TUC on this subject. We'll be speaking to the TUC shortly. But before then, the National Association of Graduate Teachers, NAGRAT, the Ghana National Association of Teachers, NAT, the Teachers and Educational Workers Union, TEU, and other unions have been calling for the COLA to be introduced. They ask that the government pays the cost of living allowance to workers by the end of June. Else, labor will do what it knows how to do best aside working, which is to stop working. They're giving government up to 30th June to implement the COLA. Government has been quiet. We've been trying effortlessly to hear from the Ministry of Employment and Labor Relations. We've even tried the Ministry of Information, the official spokes. Uh, piece or mouthpiece of the government. There's been no response from there. Tonight, TUC has joined the fray and says we want cola. Let's hear this interview I had with uh, Austin Gami. He was himself a minister in the Rollins administration. He's a labor analyst and consultant. I asked him if he thought the cola idea was a great one or what he thought should be the better alternative for workers. Let's hear what he says, and then we'll come back and hear from the TUC. It's doable, except that they have to go and sit there and talk about it. If I were to be the employer being government, led by maybe my colleagues at the Ministry of Employment and Labor Relations, this meeting is long overdue. We should call the National Tripartite Committee meeting uh, and come under Session 113. They will be able to have a, a common solution that will satisfy. We don't have to wait and go into crisis when it is two days to time. That that may not be very fair. To in, in, in fact, let me just read this story. Uh, it will help us put the issues in perspective when I come back to you. So if you could kindly indulge me. <clears throat> There's a story on citynewsroom.com by Neil Atilate on June 8, 2022. It says, fair wages to meet teacher unions over payment of cost of living allowance. It says, the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission says it will soon meet all stakeholders to determine if the 20% cost of living allowance demanded by teachers will be paid. Nagrat and other teacher unions have given a June 30 deadline for government to pay the allowance of industrial actions. According to Nagrat, the current economic hardship 
has made teachers worse off, hence the demand for allowances to be paid. But the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission maintains that all relevant stakeholders must come on board for a final determination of the payment. So this essentially is what you are calling for. Uh, the meeting should happen. But you would not advise government to pay COLA. Instead, you would advise that the workers uh, ask for tax holidays, if you like. And that becomes more permanent. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the point is that um, uh, this, this is a burdensome, um, uh, you know, um, uh, handsome money to be paid. And therefore, it is better uh, they go to a national tripartite committee meeting where the Minister of Finance and the meeting will be chaired by the Minister for Employment and Labor Relations and not, not necessarily uh, fair wages should not become a victim of, of circumstances uh, tomorrow. Uh, if, if they sought my advice, that's what I would say. That forum will bring in everybody because it's not going to be only Nagrat and it's not going to be only Nat. It's going to be all working people even some of the private sectors may become affected. Interesting. But if you ask for uh, tax exemptions for workers, I mean, we already know the problems we have with payment of taxes in this country. We are told very few people are paying for the majority of the population in terms of the tax net. If you're asking that workers should go negotiate so they don't pay taxes, that means government will run or go bankrupt. No, that's not it. Uh, that argument, I don't buy into it anyway. Uh, uh, we all, we all, if you go to any, any shop to go and buy anything, now you pay VAT on it. So everybody is paying some, including Kaya, including everybody, everybody pays some tax. So I'm not interested in talking about uh, this horrible tax uh, business in Ghana here. I'm um, sure, I'm, I'm sure they're referring to the direct taxes, not the indirect one. Well, so employ everybody, then they'll pay it. You know, and, and, and that's it. We should create employment cycle for everybody. Then everybody pays. We should, we should make opportunity for everybody to create some job, either through employing somebody, employing somebody, or you creating job and paying uh, taxes. Everybody pays tax. It's important. And I pay too. Uh, but I think that we should not belabor the point. The issue is that Everybody, including you, you are going through some form of hardship right now. And therefore, it's only proper we put money in the pocket of everybody. So the tax threshold, if lifted, if, for instance, uh, if you, if you earn 2,000, if you earn, let's say, 1,500 Ghana cities and you, you pay 5% tax, today they can call it zero. And therefore, uh, anybody earning above that, can pay anything, and therefore everybody gets that reprieve at once. And, and so that that's easy to 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 implement than to say you're going to pay specific it's amounts of money to workers. Cola on on in, we don't know when it will end. What about loans, government loans to to workers? Government is not a bank per se. If if you if you want loan, you can go to your bankers to to help you. That's why perhaps they are asking for cola. But, you know, if the tax threshold is lifted, everybody gets some support at once. It, 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 may, be, it may be something, it may be small, but it's better and it's there. And it helps to, to not to increase the inflationary trends the more. So that's Austin Gami. He's a labor consultant and analyst. He spoke to me last week. 
let's speak to the Secretary General of the Trade Union Congress, Dr. Yaoban. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. So explain to us why you are asking for this special allowance to be paid to workers and what's the nature of this allowance? Uh, cost of living allowance is not new. Uh, it has been around for a very, very long time. You may recall that 2014, when the economy was in trouble, we got a cost of living allowance of 10%. So cost of living allowance is meant to reduce the burden on workers, especially when uh, inflation gets to this level. You may recall that in 2021, when we were negotiating for 2022, Inflation was less than 10%, and we got 7% increase. Now, inflation is 26.7 or 27.6, which is almost 28%. If you give workers who you want to give 7% increase in their basic salary, and inflation goes to 27%, you must do something. You don't even have to ask for it. Government itself must come out to say that. We have to do something, just as we did during the COVID uh, period. Government came out without really asking to say, we'll give health workers 50%. We'll give free electricity, free water. This is what we're asking for. Cost of living allowance is not new. Doc, Ghanaians, they were just the generality of suffering. Um, there are lots of people who are not even employed. Government is struggling to fix these people. Your people, and I'm referring to organized labor members, at least you should be grateful to God that you even have a job and you get a salary at the end of the month. Should government not be focused on dealing with those who don't even have a job yet? Why should you, and and permit me to use this word, wouldn't you believe, if you are accused of being greedy, that you are asking for more to be given you when someone hasn't even got any? No, whoever argues like that doesn't understand how the society, the Ghanaian society and the Ghanaian economy works. Every one person who has a formal job is taking care of at least four people who don't have formal jobs. And so when we are asking for cola, what we are saying is that increase our purchasing power as households and let the economy grow from that. You know, this old argument that if you increase salary, uh, it works inflation and so on. There has been without with the banks. Not true. That is why in some states now they are giving money to households. Say that for example, they tried it. They gave money to, to households who don't have jobs. Take it, go and spend it. In some societies where they are able to give income support, they do it to people who are old, who don't have pension and so on. We don't have all the what you are saying is that what you gave us 7% in 2022, now inflation is 27 So give us the difference, 20%. And let us use that to support our, our, our households. We woke up, we woke up to news, we woke up so to news today. Okay. We woke up to news today that even the e-levy that the government banks so much hope on is performing abysmally. It means the government is yeah, currently, the government is broke itself. How do you trust our government to help you? Government when is not is, I mean, I don't think government is not good. You see, government, we need government in situations like this. You know, you, you can't 
you can't say you're broke when your public service can you imagine that all the public services workers decide to withdraw their service? What should government do then? You know, so we should not wait until that time happens. We, we want government now. I think and I believe that our government is capable of paying the um, cost of living allowance of 20% to all the public service workers, including the armed forces, all those that we have mentioned, so that they can continue to deliver the service to the people of Ghana. Remember, 700,000 people are delivering services to 30 million people. And so the burden on them is huge. If their incomes are at this level and their real income are falling, people cannot even feed themselves and their kids three times a day. It, it is serious. That will affect public service. Just and I think it's in the go ahead. To quickly, it is in the interest of government to quickly meet with us and start planning how we can pay people and get them out of this trouble, rather than to wait for the worst things to happen. Just before I put you on, I played back an interview I did with Austin Game. He was proposing that instead of the COLA, uh, workers like yourselves or the union members should rather be given tax holidays. What do you make of that proposal instead? Tax holidays? I don't know what kind of tax holidays Austin Gamay is. So that you don't pay tax for the period that you're asking for the COLA. So if you're earning a 1000 as gross and they took, they took the taxes and you're left with, say, 7000 or 8,000, you should be allowed to take all your 10,000 home so that the government fails to take the taxes that it takes on your salaries. Do you think that's a plausible idea? <laughs> that's interesting. But, well, I mean, whenever we have been doing this work for a very long time, whenever we propose something for our members, we expect the employers to do that. If that is the option they should sit on the table, we work it out and see which one is better than which. I mean, we are open minded. We have been doing this one for a very long time. So we are asking for a cola of 20% for our members. We are going to the president. Let the president call us and let us see, and let them put forward whatever option that is better than what we have. If you are bringing something which is inferior to what we are proposing, then you have the keys to answer. But we, we have done our analysis. We think that a 20% cola now will actually reduce the burden on workers and their families. Your your other group members had been asking for it to be implemented at the end of 30th June, by which time, if the government fails, they would take action. Is that something that TUC supports generally, that this COLA must be paid by the end of June? We support all what our, our, our friends have been saying. Uh, what we are saying is that, and we are adding our voice to that, that's why we have written to President. How about meetings? How about meetings with the president's lieutenants? I mean, before you go to the president, at least you should have tried meeting his minister for employment, we for could, instance. We, we have not been successful in getting a response from the minister yeah. here. Have you met the minister since? Yeah, I don't. We haven't. We don't have to. The truth is that, or maybe we ask the president directly to use his executive power. The minister for fire employment doesn't have executive power. But has he made steps to meet you since your May Day speech? The president has not met us. No, I mean, I mean, his ministers. Why... Any of his ministers? Oh, we have started talking about these things, you know. But what we are asking for now is executive powers that the president to 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 grant the the cola, not only to workers but also to pensioners. That is why this the request is special. It's different. 
Is it a re- so this request you are making, is it a temporary one or a permanent one? It's a special one, whatever you call it. To, till when? What, it's a special one to reduce the economic burden on workers, on pensioners, so that they can live normal lives. Until when? And as, when you give 20% quota, it, it is permanent. You give the increase. And that is what you are saying, that until the economic conditions get better. So if, if, if it takes a year, if it takes a year or two for Vladimir Putin to leave Ukraine, you continue to enjoy cola. <laughs> Why not? For as long as the economic burden is, 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 is killing our members and pensioners, we expect government to do something about it. No, you, 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 Doc, you have the loudest voice in Ghana because you are organized labor. There is a group known as Arise Ghana which is planning to demonstrate tomorrow against hardship. Is the TUC joining itself to that? No, no, no. We are not joining any Arise Ghana. We, 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 we are TUC. We know what we want. Let Arise people to do what they are doing. But we are asking for some uh, 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 cola the, the group wants to go to the Jubilee House tomorrow and tell the president that things are hard. They say Kromoeshi. If you also agree with Kromoeshi, which is what you put on the pen, pen, you put on the paper to the president, do you not think that putting boots on the ground may may make your statement louder than it is currently? Yeah, when the time comes to put the, the boots on the ground, but we want we we are very focused. We are organized labor. As so we 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 know what we are doing. I mean, we we negotiate salaries, we negotiate conditions of service for our members. So we are asking for negotiation, and we have written to the president because we made a very appeal to the president or maybe. So the letter that went to the president today is supposed to formalize. After that, the president will call us, or his ministers will call us, and we start talking about colour. For us, we are calling for negotiation. We are four days to the end of okay. We are four days to the end of June. Your union members have been asking for the end of June for government to decide or else. Are you going to stick to that? And what will be the or else? This is about negotiation. We are asking government, which is our employer and also government as a policymaker, to start negotiating with us for a cola. That's what we're asking for. We are not just demonstrating. If that, if that so fails by June, do you have options that you want to share with us? Uh, we want government to respond to our letter. The letter went to the president today. We expect response, and then you will take it out from there. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Doc. You are welcome. That's Dr. Yaoban, his Secretary General of the Trade Unions Congress, TUC.
That's how we end tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. Production by Sixtus Dong Ulo. Anas Seidu, Bevlin, London. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. Eyewitness News returns at 17.30 GMT. Please stay with us. City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.